low moral fiber. I don't think you should drink that. First of all, welcome to the Hello. Holding it like an inch or two in front of my mouth. It looks bad for you. <laughs> you need to get backwards. Alright. It makes me feel great. I am. Like I could. Can I keep his head for a souvenir? Take all the world. Alright. I like it. Hello and welcome to another nostalgically modern episode of Men of Low Moral Fiber, the show that always picks up every single speck of dust along the way, no matter how inane or pointless we knew they'd be the whole time. <laughs> I'm your host, Ben Helms, and with me as always is my coin-flipping, Kickstarter-ignoring, nuclear waste-in-the-puddle-puzzle-figure-outing pigeon brother, Jason Helms. How's it going, man? <laughs> it's going really good. Hey, that was impressive. That, hey, can we thank just... you. Can we just pretend that I did that, was, that in one take? One take. Yeah. One take. That was the first take of that. Um, and it was totally ad-libbed. Yeah, um, man, I'm, I'm yeah. doing really good. I'm I, smart. I just played a really cool game. <laughs> oh, yeah. Really, yeah. Well, I'm, uh, I'm, let's talk about I'm, that. Yeah, I'm pretty happy about it. Nice. Um, I mean, imagine what this podcast would be like if Thimbleweed Park sucked. So, like, spoiler alert, we kind of really loved it. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh... I was going to say spoiler alert. It's not a spoiler to know that we've played games we didn't like. Spoiler alert to the game we played a year ago. Listen, listen to past episodes. Yeah, that was rough. Uh, anyway, so yes, on today's episode, we're talking uh, all about Thimbleweed Park, a game that is uh, the newest game, the most recent game we've ever played because it came out a month ago. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's a brand new game. It harkens back to a lot of the older LucasArts games. We'll get into kind of the history of that. Um, hey, you said that I was Kickstarter ignoring. Um, <laughs> I did. Yeah, I did. we... We uh we really missed the boat on the Kickstarter yeah. too, so this is all apologies Boo. up front. Boo us. Anyway, okay, so yeah. before we get into it, we're gonna talk just like normal about the history of the game. Uh, we're gonna get into kind of the making of all that stuff. We'll we'll spend a pretty good chunk, my guess, on the gameplay, just because again, we spent a lot of time on the gameplay for this game. So we'll talk about that. Of course, we'll do another classic round of what's the beer, what's the song, where we tell you uh, if this game were a beer and a song, what game and beer it would be. Um, and then we will, what game and beer? Wow. Where what we talk about beer what beer and be. song, uh, this game would be. Uh, and then we will of course pick a game for next month. And we have a lot of kind of housekeeping issues at the end. We're talking about a couple side quests coming up. We'll talk about a couple games we'll be playing near the future. We talk about some new merch anyway, enough about that. And, oh, and yeah. two other segments. Uh, one we haven't gotten to in a while. Oh yeah. Uh, but, but the return of an old friend. Yep. Um, uh, and two, uh, we're going to start some recommendations. So those yes, are coming are. at you hard and fast or however recommendations come at you. Yeah, so that is exciting. But let's uh, let's first get into kind of the, the history of the Boyd Park. feels weird to say history when the game came out a month ago. But let's get into the history, the making of. Uh, where should we start? Well, we should just say first off, yeah, the game came out a month ago. So you might expect, wow, this, this history section is going to be pretty short. Um, First off, yes, it is, yeah. but for the exact opposite reason. Um, so there. This game actually has tons and tons written about it. Yeah. Uh, they kept a blog uh, with lots and lots of updates. They did a weekly podcast, I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, and we have just barely scratched the surface on that in terms of our research. So if you want to dig deep on Thimbleweed Park mm-hmm. and the making of, there are places for it. We will link to their blog. We will link to their podcast. Uh, go check it out and really dig deep. Um, but that's not why you come here. You come here for the, for the quick hits. So, uh, so we're just going to cover the history real quick. Yeah. I mean, the game was developed by Ron Gilbert and Gary Winnick. Primarily they, they're the ones that's the brainchild of their ideas. They formed the team to get it together, the company to make the game. And they are, um, the two that started, you know, LucasArts games, basically, um, from Maniac Mansion, uh, to Day of the Tentacle, that at least that's the start of Day of the Tentacle. I believe it was developed after Ron Gilbert left. Uh, but also Monkey Island. They did the first two Monkey Islands. So, yeah, they got back in touch with each other after um, you know they were they'd stayed friends and everything, but they hadn't worked together in you know two decades. Yeah, and um, I don't remember. Do you did you get details about the lunch or whatever? Yeah, in one of the interviews again, we'll post a couple of video interviews. There's hours and hours of of different footage they did for this, but uh, of different interviews. Uh, but yeah, Ron Gilbert talks about how he and, and Gary got lunch, and we're just talking about how. You know, the old days, the nostalgia. They're doing what we do. They're talking about the old days, except they have a little different yeah. perspective on it. Um, and they were talking about how there was this certain charm to these old Indiana Jones, Star Wars, all the games we talked about. 
games that were before kind of the console generation that were still in, but back in the PC days when that was kind of the primary video game method for consumers. Um, And basically they somewhere in there, they had the idea that sparked, they wanted to capture that charm again in a new game. And they wondered if they could even do that. And so we're going to recreate for you this, uh, this magical meeting and uh, I will be Ron and uh, Ben, of course (laughs) you will be Gary. I, of course, uh, I will be Gary. I will be Gary. Um, thank you. Just, yeah, thank you. And uh, action. Hey, hey, Gary, great to see you again. Uh, glad we're having this talk at our favorite luncheonette. Um, hey, I was just thinking about the old days. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah, they were good old days, weren't they? So good. Charming days. So good. Wouldn't it be a gas if we did that again? Oh, so tubular. Like, like just the same stuff, but did it again. Mm. And thus, Thimbleweed Park was born. This has been Mumph Theater. Yes. Thank you for being here with us. Snap, 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 snap. Oh. I was trying to really just capture the Gary Winnicism um, and, and how just <laughs> how I've never heard an interview with him ever. <laughs> Every interview I see about Thimbleweed Park is with Ron Gilbert. So I feel like, it, you know, it, was, it worked out well that you talked 95% of that. <laughs> so they had launched, started the game, and their idea was to, to crowdfund the game via Kickstarter. We mentioned that. Uh, their goal, this was in November 2014, uh, their goal was 375000 uh, and that would basically get them to be able to write, you know, a scum game or some sort of scripting language, uh, an engine based on scum, uh, and they would do it, you know, in the same type of graphics too, as, as day of the tentacle maniac mansion, all that, um, very retro looking game. That was kind of the idea. And they ended a month later with almost double that. So $626,000 from over 15,000, uh, backers and minus everything, all the fees, failed transactions. It was over half a million dollars they ended up with, uh, which is insane. <laughs> yeah, That's a lot of money. And yep. in playing the game, I think, when I heard that number a couple of years ago, I, it blew my mind. It still does. It's a lot of money. Um, but then I was like, how much, how big is their team going to be? Especially when I learned, you know, Firewatch was a team of a dozen people developing the game. Yeah. I was like, how much is a game that's going to be way less tech than Firewatch, at least visually, um, going to, you know, what are they going to do with that money? How much is it going to go into the pockets? I'm always skeptical about that. Me and Ron have a history. We don't trust each other very well. Oh, yeah. No, no. Yeah. I understand. That's we well go, placed. We go way back. Um, he's, but yeah, he's got to put many, many rodents into microwaves. Yeah. What's that about Ron Gary? Come on guys. Uh, <laughs> but in playing the game, just in the first few minutes, you can see just with like the floating fireflies, the amazing, uh, vistas and just the game is so vast for such a simple looking game. You can see where they put every single cent of that Kickstarter money. Yeah. It's, it's absolutely gorgeous. Um, yeah. It's really amazing. Uh, and it's the the backgrounds, the the world building that they've done. Um, but I, I think the, uh, the character animation might be really where this game shines the most True. visually. Uh, that little dance that Dolores does oh, yeah. is now a gif that I'm sure we'll post somewhere. Yep. Um, oh, and the one that Ron heart. does when he wins game of the year. Yeah. Yeah. That, pretty good. That's pretty great, too. Hey, when, congrats, Ron. Yeah, congrats. I mean, that was 30 years ago, I guess, apparently, that he won that. For this game, <laughs> my head hurts. Yeah, uh, but yeah, yeah, back to the Kickstarter in a uh, in a parallel nested universe. But yeah, sure. Yeah, that was Earth six hundred five, I think. Um, but yeah, so they reached a bunch of stretch goals too, as one does with Kickstarter, uh, and that allowed them to translate into German, Spanish, French, Italian. Also, they did full English voice acting for everything, which in my little brain, I didn't even think of having to be a stretch goal. I was like, oh, obviously they'll have this, but. That's a pretty dang big deal. And I'm sure it costs thousands and thousands of dollars to have professional voice actors come in and do an amazing job. The voice, the game sounded great. Uh, And then obviously they had, they also had ports to iOS and Android. We played them both on through steam on our Macs. I played mine on a Mac. I played mine on a Mac. Yeah. So uh, we have a friend who's playing, uh, Nick is playing on his Xbox, I believe. And he said, it's definitely not as, enjoyable <laughs> he didn't yeah. say that i think yeah. he said that he, he wished he played on a mac just to have a mouse he was having some issues with the interface yeah a little bit a little bit it's just not as quite as fluid as having a mouse and keyboard so 
Uh, yeah, so basically to end the the background, there's, again, there's not a whole lot. The Kickstarter was great. Uh, Ron said in a couple of interviews he started with Lua as a scripting language, then he uh, ended up going with Squirrel, ended up um, starting in Scum and a couple other uh, game engines, and ended up just building his own because he's Ron Gilbert, and that's what he does. I don't always create my own game engine. <laughs> but when but you pay me a yes, half a million dollars... But I- I do actually. Oh wait, because everyone else's is wrong. Right. I made Graphics Basic and Scum and whatever I made with Squirrels. I made Graphics Basic when I was eighteen. Yeah, shut up. Anyway, I know it's amazing. <laughs> so yeah, I think that's it. Anything more on the the making of or history of of Thimbleweed? I, I want to dive into so much more, but uh, again, there's there's so many better places to go for that. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll just keep keep people doing that, and we'll we'll just geek out over the gameplay. Let's do it. All right, so let's get into it. Uh, where do you want to start? There's so much. This game is a long one, man. Uh, let's just give a quick overview. Um, oh, good call. Let's, let's, uh, let's set it up. So you are Detective Angela Ray and Antonio Reyes when you start this game. I did not know their first names. I didn't either. <laughs> well, yeah, you're Ray and Reyes. Uh, the game actually, I guess, no, the game starts, you're, what, a German tourist? Is he German? Oh, yeah, yeah. Before you even get to them, you're a German tourist. Well, you don't really know, I guess, but yeah, German tourist. Tur- German tourist. You're a tourist who. Re- I mean, it's this. <laughs> you get murdered in the first five minutes of the game, and the whole game is about finding out who murdered this German tourist. You end up being two detectives. Um, who Can we go talk around- about how hard this game is? Like, I just, I just kept dying in like the first two minutes. I just like, and then I <laughs> start restart. over, start over, and then I die. Kept dying the same way. But yeah, it's a classic. Like more classic than Sam and Max pre Sam and Max scum games where you have two thirds of the screen is for your graphics. One third of the screen at the bottom is for your verbs. And then you have your inventory on the bottom, right? Um, I mean, it's maniac mansion all over again, just with better graphics and, you know, made by guys that have spent a lot of time making these games. So, um, a lot less frustration than those old games. And so I don't know to me, it just seemed like it was like a polished version or like a long lost version of, like a scum game from 1991. I mean, and that's the way they described it, but it, to me, it didn't feel like long lost. It didn't feel like it was made in 1991. It felt very much like it was made recently. Oh yeah. Um, so? I mean, I, like we said, the, the, it's gorgeous. Yeah, I guess um, that's true. A lot so of the graphics, it, it really yeah. gives, yeah, they can do a lot more and they took advantage of that, that computing power. And it, it knows it's, it knows it's time. I mean, there's, there are tons of jokes about, wow, imagine what the world will be like in 2017. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. The game takes place so, in 1987. That's a big, yeah. also, a, you know, an aspect of the game so that makes smart. it feel more of that time because the whole plot is in that time. That lets them make lots and lots of meta jokes about uh, various LucasArts stuff. And even, uh, even Sierra gets a, uh, a, a shout out, we'll say. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. They definitely get some shout outs. Uh, the, the LucasArts company in the, in the game is actually called Mucus Phlegm. Uh, yep. There's, I mean, in the first, Two minutes of the game, maybe five minutes of the game. It, it they give you a little hint of how meta the game is going to be. I think it's Ray uh, who says, "Let's go." The body's starting to pixelate. Yeah, and they're looking at the dead so body. <laughs> um, I mean, it's right, just so you, you start out as a German tourist, then you're detectives uh, trying to solve the murder. Yeah. Um, and the the quest is pretty clear. You have to arrest the murderer. It's broken down into these nice pieces that you put into a computer. And you know exactly what you have to do to solve the case. Uh, and then along the way, there's a couple flashbacks. And in the flashbacks, you get to play as other characters that live in the town. Yeah. Yo, that's, um, I forgot about the, te- the flashbacks, man. Yeah. Yeah. And the story gets kind of bigger and bigger and bigger. Uh, but they do it really well in introducing these other characters so that by the time you're switching between five different characters, it doesn't feel strange. It feels you know really normal. Yeah. You figured it out with, with a smaller amount of characters. It was a cool way to do exposition just from storytelling, though, when they're like, oh, you never oh, heard yeah. of Ransom the Clown. Ransom the Clown was a guy, but and then it gets all wavy, like, you know, Wayne's World. And then you're Ransom yep. the Clown, and you give your own exposition as you do a couple puzzles with Ransom in a flashback. Yep, yep. And they just slowly expand the map, slowly expand the characters. Yeah. Um, you then uh, you solve the murder. Uh, then there's another section where you read the will. Uh, and then, uh, the game goes absolutely nuts. Uh, and one of the great yep. things is, you know, 
think it's part three is the arrest and that takes forever. Or maybe it's yeah. part two is the part that takes forever. Um, and then I think part seven, the madness or, or part eight, one of the factory madness, like two minutes long. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Yes. Oh, that's the reading. Um, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah the yeah. reading. So it's like, Oh, <laughs> the reading is going to be a big part. Nope. Nope. They just read it. Now I'm in the next part. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, which is really fun. And then, uh, once you get to the madness, the game gets really, really meta. And if there are any people, um, who have not played the game yet, please do not spoil this for yourself. Stop listening yeah. now. Go yeah, play yeah. the game. It's pretty friendly to newcomers, so check it out. Um, and it has some really good reveals, story-wise. Yeah, some great reveals. So we will spoil things going forward. Yeah. This is your last warning. Yep. Go. <laughs> okay, so the meta part is uh, it turns out that you are in a simulation. You're living inside of a computer. Wow, game, you're just jumping straight is, to the end. Wow. Okay. I hope really people turned it off. Yeah, I did. You said right. go. All right. I mean, I going. was, oh, wow. Um, and, um, and then you have to kind of undo all of that, but it explains away. It, it's great to have all those in jokes kind of explained away. Yeah. Um, so what I always wonder is, do, do you think that, that you and I are the artificial intelligence playing the, you know, playing these games for these people, or is that Ron and Gary who have constructed their world? I like to think that Ron and Gary constructed it. our world. Mm, and we're simply like playing games within the game, within the minds yeah. of Ron and Gary. Yeah. Yep. Or wouldn't it actually be in the mind of, of David Fox, who was their boss, I believe at the time. It's true. That's true. Cause if you don't, were creating uh, a world, why would you create a boss for yourself? You would be the boss. That's, that's a good point. Thank you. Don't hate the player or the game or even the game designer. Hate the lead designer. Yes. Exactly. Who we should. All right. Yep. That's right. Anyway. Uh, yeah. So the meta stuff of the game, it's, it's very Sam and Max in that way. I guess all of the old LucasArts games are that way, right? Where they're just constantly winking, nudge, nudging. Hey, this is a video game and you're having fun because this is the greatest video game you've ever played. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there's just so many references to, to old games that it makes me sad that I hadn't played more of these games. I wish, you know, if we'd done it, this, all of the LucasArts games in chronological order, I'm sure I would understand a few. The fact that I haven't played Zach McCracken and the Alien Mindbenders since I was eight years old. I'm sure there's jokes in there that I don't remember and that I just don't get it from um, Thimbleweed Park that are referencing that. There were a few that, you know, I think there's a poster in one of the rooms for Zach McCracken. Yep. A couple other references. Oh, the Chainsaw Expectation is is straight out of Zach McCracken. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or I think it's maybe the, it's the Chainsaws in Maniac Mansion and the Gases in Zach McCracken. Oh, maybe that's what it was. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think that's right. Anyway. Uh, the, the fourth page or the fifth page on Ransom's joke book flies away, <laughs> which felt exactly like uh, Guybrush's piece of the map on yeah. Booty Island flying yeah, away. Falls, and like falls down a cliff and then falls yeah. further. Yeah. 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 At least in that game, you could <laughs> see where no, it went. I didn't, I didn't catch that reference at all, but that's great. Yeah, oh, it's, exactly and it's, you know, we played Monkey Island three or four months ago, if even, whatever it was. The only yeah. reason, that's the only reason I would get that. But as soon as it happened, I was just as frustrated I was like, really? Yeah. Like the page was right there and it just flies away. Come on, guys. And there's so many things in this game that when that flew away, I wasn't frustrated. I was like, okay, that's a puzzle I will solve another day. Right. <laughs> I'm, I'm not worried about that right now. Right. I, I know the two things that I want to get done. Let me go do those first. Right. Which is, I mean, that's another cool thing about the fact that you can play as five different characters at one time is that one character you'll be at, well, you, you know, you figure out five little puzzles in a row and you'll just be stuck for an hour so you can go to another character and do a couple simple puzzles. And I think I was, I was really impressed with the way that two things. First of all, I was impressed with the way that they scattered hard puzzles around because, and they yeah. did it in a way where the, obviously they've done this before, where you finish a hard a puzzle that took you two hours or that we'd need to consult each other before we could even solve it. And that would be the end of the chapter. And you're like, Oh, yeah. like this, I'm not an idiot. This was supposed to be a hard one because yep. I've earned the next chapter. Uh, and secondly, the fact that you had five distinctly different characters. So one of your characters is a ghost. One of your characters is a clown. Another is a game designer and you have two FBI or some sort of detective FBI NSA. Sure. I don't yeah, know that they say they're the feds. Detectives. Yeah. They're the feds of the government, except they're not. But anyway, uh, the fact that, you know, when you have to do, yeah, when you have to do gross stuff, you be ransom the clown When you have to do uh, programming stuff. You be the game developer when you have to do ghosty things like maybe ghosty turn things. normal sure. cake. 
and you need to chill it like a ghost into ice cream cake, you would probably want to use Franklin. Spoiler. I'd like to point out that that was never normal cake. It was always ghost cake. That's, that's fair. I don't know what that that's means. That's fair. Good. Good call. Did a, did a cake die? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I think, uh, well, another reference, and there's so many references and levels, obviously sometimes they just mention other games. Sometimes there's posters of games. Um, but at, at the end, I think it was, yeah, the chapter was called the madness, um, yeah. where it just feels like you have so many codes. Every character has like a book that is teaching them a code or there's different codes to computers, to the terminals. You have different keys to the, the factory, to the door within the factory. It just reminded me like keeping that all in my brain reminded me so much of what it felt like at the end of Maniac Mansion, where you have the blue key, the red key, the green key, the yellow key, all these keys that once some open the garage, some open the basement door, some open it. Like there's just so much going on. That it just reminded me of, of that same frustration. And I think that's what reminded me of it. The frustration <laughs> and like okay, the brain hurtingness of it. I've got a weird idea. Yeah. So I swear I'm not as high as when I thought the earth, um, the trees were the hairs of the earth. Uh, <laughs> People really like that comment. I'm really glad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, not only do I not get high, I don't endorse it. Everyone, okay. let me let me just say that real quick. Jason does not endorse um, the hair of the earth. The hair of the earth. Um, do you think it, in a way, it almost feels like coding, like the process of making a game? when you're in those final stages and you're juggling so many different mm, puzzles. Okay. For me, coding always feels like that kind of puzzle solving yeah. of, okay, I know it needs to be here. What, what semicolon did I miss? Or even for that earlier state of like, okay, I need, I know I need this function to happen. Um, how do I want it to happen? Yeah. How can I make this, this work? Um, and it's fun and it's so fulfilling when you get it to work. Yeah. Um, Whenever I'm in those situations, whether it's coding and again, the coding I do is like, minimal javascript and like html and css and like surface level stuff but um even when i'm building stuff there it's i always think oh if only i was better at this or if only i was this person or whatever this wouldn't hurt my brain but the truth is no matter how good i get at it it's i'm always gonna you know if i can get to the point where i'm juggling this stuff better i'm gonna be juggling even more stuff and so yeah it it has this point of of where my brain is almost breaking (laughs) No matter how yeah. good or smart I am at this game, it's always going to have that because then you're going to be thinking about more things, just like I'm sure it is with, again, game creation, coding. The more you take on, the more it's going to hurt your brain. But the better you get at it, the more you want to take on. Yeah. And and I would imagine that uh, Ron, Gary, uh, and everyone involved in it feel the same way about coding, that it's that that difficulty is fun. It's enjoyable to solve those little puzzles because if what they were talking about, like, oh, it was so much fun to do those old games was just designing puzzles, they would have just done a puzzle dependency chart and hired someone else. Right. But they didn't want to do that. They wanted to make this themselves. They wanted to make it their way. Yeah. Um, and because it's really fun to do that stuff and to have something that you made. Yeah. And I think that's probably a big part of the charm that they're talking about that I think they captured a big part of here, which is just the DIY-ness of it and keeping it a yeah. small team and uh, Ron Gilbert talks about in one of the videos um, that in one of the interviews, how next time he makes a game, he's going to want to not make it as transparent because it felt like he was spending or I think he said he spent one day a week. So 20 yeah. percent of his time just answering not fan letters, but, um, you know, getting back to backers and whether it was doing um, the stretch goals or doing press for the game or just blogging or doing his podcast about the development, all of that stuff just added up to 20% of his time, which is a huge amount of time. I mean, that's several months over, you know, the development of this game of time spent just on managing people outside of his office. Yeah. So I, yeah, I I think if he could do this again or when he does this again, obviously he's going to try to do it with money and that he has, or that he can get from funders that don't necessarily require as much, babysitting and handholding as as Kickstarter backers do. And that's just part of Kickstarter. You know, you, you, we yeah. all, not we, people who back the game, those 15,000 people own the game in a big way. So, uh, yeah, by the way, we might even have an example of that kind of thing. Oh, go on. 15,000 people <laughs> back this game. One of the, one of the stretch goals of this game of the Kickstarter, uh, was you get to name a book in a library. There's a couple libraries and you also get to write a book. You get to write two pages of a book and name it. And uh, we got a request from one of our listeners, from from Nick, uh, <laughs> who 
asks us, what is our favorite book in the Edmonds library and why? Uh, mine is obviously it's in section 3.3 and it is the attack of hamsters by lonesome one. And I'm going to read a little section of it, a little snippet, if that's okay. Um, it's not the whole thing. You're going to need to go into the game and read it yourself again in section 3.3. But the section I'm going to read is hamsters are ready to take over the world because somebody dared to microwave one of them. Beware uh. of the wrath of the angry hamsters. They are coming. They are coming for you. Thank you, Lonesome One, for that uh, beautiful, beautiful book. Uh, Jay, what was your favorite book from the Edmonds Library? Uh, mine was the F dash programming manual. Um, mm, poetic. F minus minus. I don't know how you want to say that one. <laughs> yes, the coding language F minus minus. F minus minus. And the right. minus minus is important because core to the ideology of S mi- F minus minus is that all statements are required to contain double negatives. Uh, and they give mm. examples of that. Um, if you attempt to, <laughs> after giving examples, if you attempt to write uh, in a more easy to read, less minus signy way, the compiler will give a syntax error and then run through a complete 12-octave scale of beeps through your computer's built-in speaker. There's also a 25% chance the compiler will write a random dog breed name to your computer's file allocation table, yeah. eventually making it unbootable. Um, in terms of the 12-octave scale of beeps, I absolutely have done that uh, and have wrote a program that did that, um, and it's the most annoying thing ever. Yeah. Because um, yeah, yeah. when you first learn that you can make MIDI sounds, you're like, oh, wow, what can I do? And you do like play like one through two fifty six whatever it was back then. Yeah, it's like yeah, play yeah, all, yeah. boom, and you press play, and then you realize what you've done, and you're like, no, 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 <laughs> horrible creation. Control Alt Delete. Buh, 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 buh. For Gosh. ten minutes, and I think it was yeah. actually longer. Like, buh, yeah, exactly, buh. exactly. <sighs> all right. So, what else we got in this game? Uh, anything else we're missing from the overall narrative, other than just kind of loving it? Well, we were requested to compare this to Day of the Tentacle. Oh, yeah. Thank you. That's uh, from Megan. Yes, from my lovely wife. requesting that. But actually, we were asked, can you compare this to Day of the Tentacle? So I'll just say, yes. Yeah. Ben, what do you say? Uh, meh. Meh? All right, cool. Moving on. <laughs> no, no. I have to live oh, with this person. I should probably yeah, say more. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, wow. And Megan played is... Day of the Tentacle when yeah. you played it last year, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. She so, played through and it. she's familiar um, with it. She played this game with you a little bit, too? Little bit more over my shoulder cool. occasionally. Which is going to be just as fun. That's how, Giants games. that's how I played most of these games growing up, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm trying to pin it down. I think so much of Day of the Tentacle's charm is its its ethos, its personality, um, which has very to do lighthearted. Chuck, yeah. And those, those Chuck Jones backgrounds, and it plays like it feels like you're playing in a Bugs Bunny cartoon. Yeah. Um, and this doesn't. It's much less physical comedy. The comedy is much more verbal. Um, both are very funny. Both are very smart. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're just, they feel very different. They're, they're both clever friends that you want to have over. They're just different clever friends. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. This this seemed like a much more puzzle-based. It seems like there was a lot more puzzles in this game. And maybe I'm remembering wrong, but it's, it just seemed like there was less less story, more puzzle focused and it seemed like day of the tentacle is much more story focused and maybe not much more but it seemed like that a little bit more of an emphasis for that and more cartoony day of the tentacle was definitely more cartoony i mean when you're dealing this and this was set in reality right this was set as much as it had people you know exploding heads and people just as pigeons yeah exactly this was set in reality you're supposed to think this is real it's making fun of a lot of realistic things and day of the tentacle is just off the wall tentacles running around if Bernard Bernoulli is your most realistic character, then you're very, very like outside of this world. <laughs> like, yeah, everything's just off the wall in that game. So, uh, oh. other than that, the setting and style, I mean, it, it, really similar, very similar sense of humor. Um, I mean, it's, that was, uh, a, a Tim Schaefer, uh, joint, I believe. Tim Schaefer so joint. Yeah. He, was, uh, he trained although, at the feet uh, of Ron, Ron and Gary, and Gary. Were part of it as well. I think. I think they set up the story and then they left right at the or during development, yeah. maybe somewhere yeah, in there. That sounds right. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's a lot of the same same writing and that kind of stuff. Very enjoyable. It's if you like this game, you'll like Day of the Tentacle. If you like Day of the Tentacle, you'll probably get a kick out of this. Yep. Um, I I think the difference is um, you know the whole nudge nudge wink wink thing. Um, yeah. 
Yeah. Thimbleweed Park winks and Day of the Tentacle nudges. Uh, as I was thinking back on it, Day of the Tentacle, a lot of their jokes, they yeah. pause for effect. There's like True. a, ah, ah, I made right? a joke, get it? And I think some of that is actually the computing power that it just had weird pauses in it and things like that. Yeah. Um, but the uh, these jokes are told pretty seamlessly and they know when they go over well. And they're, they they stick the landing. They're, they're very really dry. happy with it. Yeah. yeah, it's a very dry humor. And because of that, there's a lot of jokes I'm sure we didn't get. Yeah. Whether that's from games we haven't played yet or just random in-jokes just between Ron and Gary or just... I'm sure there's jokes that Tim Schafer was the only one who laughed at. <laughs> Maybe David Fox or whatever. Yeah. I mean, just so many inside things that I felt privileged to laugh at a couple of these jokes that I'm sure other people didn't get just because we've been playing these games so recently. Uh, yeah, what was your uh, what was your favorite joke or favorite moment? Oh my god, I think th- just the one that stands out to me was when you were Franklin, mm-hmm. and well, when I was Franklin, and you had to scare the guest. Mm-hmm. I wonder what the guest is up to now. <laughs> uh, and you had to scare him, and you're flickering all the lights in the room, and his head literally explodes. Yeah, yeah, which wow, I love because that was the first time. Yeah, I'm pretty if, scared, but if, I don't know. Maybe if it happened again. <laughs> yeah, I just I love the on the nose of the of that line and just how his head literally explodes. And that to me was a nod to of like this, like identical, where it's just this this off the wall, not in reality at all for a few moments at least. Yeah. And then you're right back to reality as a ghost. But yeah, it just seemed like so different than everything else. There was no other effects like that in the rest of the game that I that stood out to me at least as, as much as that one. What about you? Um, yeah, similar in that it was something jarring and, and kind of separated from the rest of the game. It's it's when you're in the wireframe and if you go into oh, the kitchen, yeah. and you oh, find gosh. you find Edna, um, uh, and I got a laugh scare, and it was fantastic. So stressful. It, I did not think that this game was going to scare me ever. Um, right, and it, it it startled me, but I thought it. It was so funny and it was, uh, okay, I was scared, happy, nostalgic, warm, and laughing yep. all in one instant. And yep. I don't know how you pull that off. It was yep. it, it was such a small effect too. It's not like, oh my gosh, these graphics are amazing. It was like the most reductive graphics of the whole game, but yeah. it was so cool. That was one of those moments too. I was almost, you know, the very end of the game where when that moment happened, I was just like, Oh, okay. How many hundreds of things in this game did I miss? Yeah. I happened to catch this one yeah. little thing. You didn't even have to go to the mansion, but you know, you and I are clicking around everywhere to try to find everything to review this game. And we both happened to find this, but how many dozens and dozens of things were in, the, in this game that were hidden or even just off to the side that we just happened, you know, didn't happen to get, I'm, I'm going to really love, I was going to say in 10 years, but you know, in a year or two or whatever, uh, playing this game again, just going through it again, spending a couple hours here and there playing it and just having a brand new experience. That, that was another thing um, that I, was, I meant to say earlier that um, the fact that you could play all these puzzles out of order blew my yeah. mind. Every time you called me or I called you and was like, Oh, I need help with this. And you're like, how are you there? Yeah. Like we'd ask each other that we're like, no, no, but you're at the factory. How are you also trying to get into this place or this place? Or whatever? And it just, I, it didn't until we talked about it later in the game, I didn't realize how, you could get into the factory pretty early on and do everything else later. Yeah. When the factory was the last thing I did. Yeah. So you called me, you're like, Oh, I just got to the factory. I was like, Oh cool. You're almost done. You're where I am or whatever. Nope. And you kept calling me on these different puzzles. I was like, how is this a thing? So I don't, I still don't know how they made this not as linear as that might be the biggest kind of um, success, biggest achievement compared to those old scum games. Yeah. Where they just seem exceedingly linear. And you could sometimes, I guess with Day of the Tentacle, you have the three timelines. You can kind of do things out of order here and there. But this one, it seemed like you could just do all of Franklin's stuff up to a certain point for hours and hours. And then you could do all of Dolores's stuff. And then you could do all of Ransom. And it, you needed each other occasionally. But for the most part, you could do, you didn't have to do anyone's in any certain order. Nobody does puzzle dependency charts like Ron and Gary. That's <laughs> true. Apparently, um, and man. that's a shirt now too, right? We're, oh that- man! Speaking of which, nice, nice segue. By the way, if I want to own a segue, so when someone says that, I can just like, look <laughs> over at my segue. Just be like, "Hey, thanks." Oh, this old thing. Oh man. Uh, but yeah, so we we made a shirt today, and we're gonna have another shirt coming out next week, and another shirt, uh, pro- probably a puzzle dependency shirt. 
Yes. Next week. So three Thimbleweed inspired shirts over the next three weeks. They're all going to be, I think, $14 is their sale price right when they hit. We'll tweet those out and Instagram those out and all that fun stuff. But uh, yeah, uh, stay, keep an eye out for that. Um, stay woke for that is what I almost said. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm an idiot. Oh, man. Uh, so stay woke for those shirts and Bring, bringing uh, down the patriarchy one t shirt at a time. Exactly. By the way, that's another shirt. There we go. Wow. So I just, wow. I'm just churning them out today. Just so you know, whenever Jason makes a shirt and I say we made a shirt, <laughs> it's a lot, a lot easier for Jason to say he made a shirt. Yeah. Because he's done. Yeah, I'm done. He just made the My shirt. My shirt making is done. And yep. it's really cool. In like two weeks or maybe less, <laughs> yeah. the shirt shows up on TeePublic. What? And there's absolutely no more work that has to be done. It's so <laughs> cool. Great website. TeePublic is really good. Yeah. 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 But we have a. Uh, a pillow factory, a pillowtronic uh, shirt that came out last week that you guys should also check out, which is pretty yeah. neat. Yeah. And if you need any discount codes for that, just let us know. Okay. So any, uh, any other gameplay items you have? Um, well, I just, for our review, I want to say I give this game two tentacles up. Is that, mm. we're, are we not doing that? Is that, oh, all right. That's good. That's good. I'm trying to think of other things I can <laughs> stick up that are in jokes, <laughs> but I'm just going to say it was good. <laughs> and I'm just imagining that as a t-shirt This game's pretty fun With frustration When I was out I just had to question What's the beer? What's the song? I can't always tell I just want to know What game is Westy 12? Alright man What's your beer? Uh, my beer um, so in order to, to really understand this beer, there's this little town in Belgium mm-hmm. and it's just west of Fletrin. Oh no. One would assume. Yeah, really? that's right. I'm ready. I am prepared. Wow. I'm dropping the Westy 12. Oh, um, okay. I thought it would I feel be like we need to drop just for that. Right? Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Again, making making drops is as easy as making T-shirts. Dang it! <laughs> uh. Oh, so yeah, this this game um, it was so perfect for me in so many ways. I, mm-hmm. for one, really love meta humor. Uh, you know yeah. that about me, Ben. It's probably one of the most annoying things about me for other people. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> my wife literally just laughed from the other room. I remember when we were talking about this podcast, and I said to Jason. Jay, let's not talk about meta humor. And he said, I remember the first time I told you about this when I wrote this down in a novel. I don't know. <laughs> you do. You do oh, like your metas. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I like it so much. My wife is literally laughing in the other room. I can hear her right now. Um, oh. Trying to be quiet while we podcast. But, yeah. No, I, I love meta humor. And so to do that, I how could I not? Um, the game is really perfect. It It works so well. I don't have any critiques. I don't have anything to tell it to change about itself. Just you be youth and believe. What about that one time when you're talking to that one person and the <laughs> audio goes just to like the left speaker for one line when they did oh, their like ADR yeah. stuff. I think they did it on purpose and I think oh, you're wrong. And I think it's to let you know that it's a video game. You think I'm Ron now? I think you're Ron. Wait, <laughs> are you Gary wait, now? Wait, no, I think you're wrong. Oh, that makes more sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was to let you know that it's a computer game. That was foreshadowing. Uh, oh, it was for, glitching uh, on purpose. I like that. This is see. This is the great thing about meta humor is it takes care of any problem whatsoever wow. that you have. Um, you know, <laughs> yes, was that a mistake? No, it wasn't game. a mistake. It was to alert you to the materiality of the object. Wow, I do it for a living, man. Well done. That means someday you actually you actually have to drink Westy Twelve. Ah, I can't wait, and one that I didn't make in a bathtub. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I made that That's in a bathtub. Disgusting. Did I not tell That's you? Disgusting. Yeah, they're delicious. All right, so this game was a game that built upon other games, just like the technology of the Jurassic Park scientists. And uh, it reaches outside itself, and in as much as it is a game, it's also a commentary on other games and everything that is built within it. Uh, and just like uh, just like Dogfish Head's 120-minute IPA, uh, which is just a freaking great IPA, but it's also... It's kind of an IPA that breaks IPAs. Kind of like Thimbleweed, Thimbleweed Park is a game that kind of breaks the whole genre where it's like a 14 to 19% ABV beer, depending on how far the yeast gets. They never know. <laughs> so I guess like just like Thimbleweed Park, 
they made this game or they started making this game not knowing if they could even reach the end, depending on how many backers they would get on Kickstarter, depending on how much yeast eats sugar, something, something, 19% ABV, science. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's the only IPA that I've ever seen where you're supposed to age the IPA. Yeah. Which is weird and seems like it would break, but it's actually amazing to have three years later. Anyway, it reminded me a lot of the kind of the concept of 120 minute. I was inspired by my buddy, um, Sean Marshall Thompson. You may have heard of, he's been on a podcast recently, uh, but he's been on a kick. He had 120 on tap last week and it just inspired me. I was playing the game. He texted me. I was like, oh yeah, similar ideas. But anyway, my song, uh, I went with, uh, I went with a classic. All my life I've been searching for something, something never comes, never leads to nothing, nothing satisfies, but I'm getting close, closer to the prize at the end of the rope. All night long, a dream of the day, when it comes around. And yeah, so this is a song that is near and dear to our hearts, um, a song that came out in 2002, so I guess it's not really a new song, but um, it's... A new song that's harkening back to something older, just like the Foo Fighters were doing in 2002, harkening back to kind of Pearl Jam, Nirvana, this grunge thing that they're still seem to be the only band in the world keeping alive. <laughs> this whole grunge yeah. movement, which I love. It's great. Uh, but yeah, it was one of my favorite songs by one of my favorite bands. Uh, and it seems like what Thimbleweed is going to be for a long time. And to make this about me, I went to the opening concert of that tour uh, on CD release day. And I went to the closing concert of that tour with you. Yeah, yeah. I drove down from the Bay. You were living in LA at the time. Met in the middle in Bakersfield. And I, Great it was show. back in the day where we, I went up to the ticket booth and bought tickets to the show because what was that band that Rancid and Travis Barker did? For, oh, Transplants. Transplants. They were opening for them. They'd already started. So tickets were $12. I forgot that at the, the ticket booth. opened for them. Wow. But this is at the venue that the video for All My Life, back when music videos were a thing. All right, so we got to start back with, do you know what payphones are? No. <laughs> and you move the pictures, about 24 of them per second, and that creates a moving <laughs> video or simulated moving. Anyway, uh, what's your song? Uh, okay, so my song um, is a brand new one, hot off the press. It's just released within the last few weeks. Oh, and I get it. And it is Humble by Kendrick Lamar. <laughs> It's got this, this really cool kind of tension in, it, in that Kendrick is telling other people to be humble. Um, like, look at me, I'm so great. Like, I'm going to make you humble. Mm-hmm. And so it's a very prideful song called yeah. Humble. Yeah. And yet... When you know Kendrick and you know you really look into it, you can tell that he's also reminding himself, stay humble. Yeah. Like, don't let this go to your head. You're not that great. Uh, and really, the rest of the album is much more about that. So it's it's kind of poking fun at himself in some ways, um, which you is kind of great. had to remind um, yourself to be humble every time you figured out a puzzle and you'd be like, oh, that's, no, that, was the that was it. No, no, no. It was <laughs> these guys are on top of the game. Yeah. They know what they're doing. Yeah. Uh, and it's like they just want to step back and be like, hey, be humble. Yeah. Hey, you know, Halo 6. Be humble. I got this. Nice. Nice. Let me, let me just show you what's going on. Yeah. Classic Ron and Gary. Love it. All right. So we got a little uh, visitor from our friend pretty, pretty early on in the game. I can't remember who texted who, but one of us noticed that there was a, a familiar friend that we saw. Who was that guy? Familiar friend was Chuck the plant. Chuck is a plant, but he's so much more than that. Oh man, and he NPC'd like a just champ. Like a champ. Like a champ. In this game. Man, that that uh, that's Chuck. He's been there for years. I couldn't move him. <laughs> How many times did you try I, to pick him up? <laughs> I tried to talk to him. I tried to talk to him so oh, many times. Oh nice. And because I wanted to learn his secrets. I wanted to learn what had happened. <laughs> secrets. You know. In the last 20, 30 years. Did you end up talking to him? No, you, I mean, in the game, you couldn't talk to oh. him. So I, I just shot him an email real quick. Oh, well, that makes more and, sense. And uh, he gave me an update. Sure. Told me what was up. Sure, sure. Yeah, um, what do you say? Well, he directed me to a fan site uh, that I found. And uh, so let me just, just read to you there. Because a lot of people don't know about his time uh, in the minors. And then uh, eventually got called up to the majors. Uh, he actually uh, played baseball, professional baseball what? for a few years. I had no idea. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, so Chuck's baseball career wound through a number of teams. Uh, Chuck was unpredictable. Early in his career, sure. he would leave mid-game to go fishing. Yeah. Chuck had a habit of leaving the dugout in the middle of games to follow passing fire trucks to fires. He performed as an alligator wrestler in the offseason. What? And also, yeah, yeah, an alligator wrestler. And also played professional football in the National Football League as a fullback for the Philadelphia Eagles in 2002. That makes sense. Uh, He was easily distracted by opposing fans who held up puppies and shiny objects, which seemed to put him in a trance on the mound. What? Newspapers of the time referred to Chuck as eccentric, while others called him screwball or nutsy. Um, Now, it kind of gets sad, an alcoholic for most of his short adult life. Chuck reportedly spent his entire first signing bonus on a drinking binge. Uh, the Sporting News called him the Sousepaw because they're jerks. Um, and Chuck's eccentric behavior led to constant battles with his managers and scuffles with bad-tempered teammates. Um, yeah, That's, That reminds me of something I can't put my finger on. Maybe it'll come up later in like the recommendation time of the podcast. But uh, Yeah, yeah. who knows? Man. Who knows? Wow, that's, that's a tragic tale. Tragic tale. Tragic um, tale. To me, I actually, I, I, I don't know if you hit use Chuck. I hit that no. a couple times, and that's yeah. when you actually pick him up and you cradle him. Um, actually, as Franklin, and don't ask me how I got into the mansion as Franklin. Wow! But Franklin's been there for a long time. Dolores literally says Chuck. He's been sitting here forever. He's a good plant, uh, and he actually told me all the secrets how he got there. What he says is, you know, after the war. Uh, he returned home and was looking for kind of the next big thing, looking to get rich, and stumbled upon Chuck Edmonds' plans for a fully automated, uh, mechanized pillow factory, which obviously, mm-hmm. if you're there on the ground floor, seeing that before it's built, you see the obvious riches and fame within such an enterprise. Sure. Uh, so Chuck goes it up to Chuck, uh, began kind of waiting for the right moment to spring into action and kind of take the credit for the whole factory and everything. Unfortunately, tragic accident, Chuck died. I- and the wow. very next day, everything in the world just kind of disappeared. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So similarly tragic to, to your story that reminds me of a real person. But <laughs> yeah, so that's, uh, that's all we got for Chuck the Plant. Uh, yeah, I think we should talk about next month's game, don't you think? Absolutely. Let's do it. All right. So what we're going to talk about, we did this, I think, six months ago, where we basically had no idea what to do next. <laughs> we're in the same case, uh, same place as last time. And basically... We each pick three three games, and if any of those games overlap, we're going to say those games now. We don't know what the other person picked. Uh, if any of them overlap, we have to do that game. Yeah. Unless we don't want to. So, and if two of them overlap, then one of us plays one game and the other plays the other one. Yep. And then we talk about it, never recognizing that we're talking about different games. And it's due next week. Next week. I hope Boom. that doesn't happen. That's oh, stressful. wow. Oh, I'm nervous. All right. So, game number one. What's your first game? Full Throttle. Oh, I w- did not make my list because we just talked about it. Wow, that that nice. could be my number I was wondering, four possibly. I was wondering. All right, all right. But full throttle. Uh, yeah, they just yeah. did a remastered version, so I figured it's oh, timely. Oh, jump Let's on the train. That. The Tim yeah. Schafer train. Get on the Tim Schafer train. Oh, man. Woo-woo. I love that. Uh, my first one is Gone Home. It's a game we talked about a year ago. Oh, yeah. Ago. I want to play um, that. It's a quick, like, two to four hour. Um, it kind of looks a little like Firewatch was that first person puzzle adventure game. Um, but yeah, it's, it's Steve Gaynor. Made the game Bioshock 2, Idle Thumbs, fame. Nice. Um, it interested me for a while now. So we got to do that game eventually. Which well, I'm, I'm, I'm teaching Maymaster, so two to four hours appeals to me. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, second game is Psychonauts. Oh, Tim Schafer again. Tim Schafer. Tim Schafer. Wow. Keeping, it, keeping it Schafey. I went, I went pretty Schafey too on my next one, The Cave, which was another Ron Gilbert joint, but he did it with Double Fine. So I don't think Schaefer developed or programmed or led or anything, but it was a part of his company. So yeah, the cave, it's just another classic Ron Gilbert um, puzzle game. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think it's, no, it's definitely, I, I think you're right. It's Ron Gilbert more than Schaefer. Yeah. And it's not, it's, it definitely takes um, some liberties with adventure and puzzle game. Um, I think it's more of a story and more of a kind of a fun actiony adventure game than it is classic scum point and click, but yeah. still in the adventure genre, I guess. Yeah, and it came from an idea that he had had uh, over 20 years earlier oh, yeah. of a yeah, yeah. cave that kids wander into, and it, it reveals their, their psychological uh, – I don't remember the details, but it, it sounded really cool. This is as far as I got to. Um, yeah. Third game. Reading Wikipedia is tough, guys. Yeah, it is. Um, and come on. Uh, well, number three, uh, you want to find out what, what game we're playing next? Oh, what is it? It's The Cave. 
Whoa! Unless my third game is Tie Fighter from 1994. <laughs> I'm glad it's. I'm glad it is. It's the cave. It's the cave. It's the cave. Uh, what if I put Full Throttle in there? Would you rather do Full Throttle? Um, in terms of timeliness, sure. But I'm fine either way. And I want to do Gone Home very soon. That sounds great. All right, so those are probably our next three games. Uh, and uh, we're, we're in doing some the cave. order. The cave is our June game. Cave is June. June that'll be out. Um, unless you're a Patreon supporter, which in oh, case it'll be up get it, last week of May. Last week of May. Dun, 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 dun. And I will say, uh, just real quickly, as we're talking about future games, uh, you can go buy Full Throttle now, though, because we're going to get to it right after the cave. Yeah, I think there, there's a sale right now for like 20% off on GOG. Um, I think you can play it on, again, a Xbox, PS4, and Game Boy, whatever you want to play it on. Um, Game probably Boy Color. Game Boy, Game Boy no, Color, maybe. Game Boy, yeah. But yeah, we do have a couple of episodes coming up before that happens. One is going to be a Sam and Max retrospective, which talks more about kind of the history of Sam and Max as a whole and kind of the history of Steve Purcell comics um, and just the TV show to the game to everything Sam and Max two characters we've loved for almost 30 years now. Um, yeah, we wanted to get more into that in the episode, but they're just, yeah, the episode was already like an hour and 15. So we needed to do, like dial it back a little bit. So we're going to do a whole episode about that. We still have a uh, star Wars state of the franchise from a fan perspective episode we're working on. Hopefully in the next couple weeks, that'll come out. Uh, and then we also have an episode talking, an, a meta episode where we talk about month as a whole and how we're kind of switching gears a little bit. Uh, we'll get to that on the episode. So nothing too big. We're not going to become like a fashion podcast or anything crazy, but um, yeah, I think we're refocusing kind of the adventure game genre. Yeah. When we have the meta episode, I hope we talk about the meta joke that I'm making right now. I'm really excited for that. Yeah. So yeah. Level. Speaking of Patreon, you were a minute ago, I think, or I am now at least uh, we do have a, uh, a reward to give out right now as we're kind of cl- closing things down on the episode which is, I believe it's the $20 tier uh, is one of the rewards that it's, it's called the marketing supervisor. And we have one patron who has actually agreed to this. Uh, and they've actually been very generous to actually agree to give us more than this. Uh, so they could be marketing supervisor twice, I believe uh, in which they, they, you can do this too. So I'm talking to the listener. You can give, you can become a marketing supervisor for men of low moral fiber uh, in which you give a note, a script, um, a quote, uh, something from your brain uh, to Jason and I, and you give us some sort of message to read. Whatever the message says, this is our promise to you. Whatever the message is, we will read it to you on the podcast every single month. You can give us a new message. So, do we reserve the right to bleep it? Oh yeah, oh I, okay. yeah. I didn't say we'd actually publish the whole thing. I just oh said sure, we'd sure. Read Good. it online. <laughs> we'll yeah, we'll definitely bleep it if it needs to be bleeped. Uh, but yeah, it's not the cheapest tier, uh, but it's pretty rewarding as far as rewards go. Uh, so yeah, here, this is, uh, this is the first month's, uh, reading. We hope you enjoy it. If you do, uh, go check out our patron site, Patreon site, uh, and maybe you can sign up for a dollar, $3 a month, or maybe even this crazy marketing supervisor level. While passing through a quieter connected corridor, he moved past an open doorway. Normally he would have not even bothered to look into the doorway, but something caught his senses. It was so refreshing, so fragrant, like summer lilies in a dewy field at dawn. Vader halted, glanced against his better judgment into the doorway, and simply stared at the vision before him. An angel. She was standing, her back to him, some paces away on a balcony overlooking the city. Her sleek, backless dress trailed down to her feet and billowed out in shades of silver and white behind her with the wind. He watched, entranced, as she reached out to her elegantly coiffed hairstyle, pulled at the pins with delicate fingers, and yanked the hair free. It tumbled down in long, luxurious silken curls down her back, fluttering out in the breeze. Vader's breath grew abruptly ragged. He swallowed and tried to control his furiously beating heart. He wanted to look away. He had to look away. She was just a girl, no. A woman. He hadn't even seen her face. Against his better judgment, his master's teachings, and everything in him, he took a step closer, up to the doorway. But his breathing, his cursed breathing, alerted the angel to his presence. Wow. Woo! Well done. So, yeah, that uh, the author of that will remain uh, anonymous. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, that it might be worth noting that that's probably the longest uh, script we will yeah, read. Yeah, let's give it an award for, for, for the longest concerned. ever. And let me just let you know that record will not be beaten. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty good. Uh, but, yeah, that's that's just a great little short. We like that. 
anyway, so yeah, the last segment of our podcast uh, today is recommendation. Yeah, time. recommendations. Do we have a, a cool name for this segment at all? No, I tried to think of one. The recommendation station. There we go. Boom! There <laughs> and it is. Wait, and there's your the bump. bump. Since I don't have one yet, uh, would you like to go first? Yeah, uh, so Ben um, kind of front-loaded this. Uh, there is a podcast called The Dollop. Um, it tends to use coarser language than we do, so I'll just let you know that. Uh, but it's stories from American history, um, and they're the stories from American history that you wish were not true or are just hilarious and amazing. Uh, one of my favorite ones is an early one about Rube Waddell, uh, one of the greatest pitchers to ever live. Um, ever. He had better stats than Cy Young for, I think, three out of five years uh, when they were pitching together. Um, and it's really amazing when you look at those stats to then find out the actual history of them, because all that stuff that I said about Chuck the Plant is actually true about Rube Waddell. He literally would leave games and he would be on the mound he would hear a passing fire truck and he would just run off the mound and chase the truck and it got to be such a thing that he would wear a red suit under his baseball uniform so that he could tear off the baseball uniform and then become a fireman um he just seems like a really simple nice enthusiastic guy he also saved like eight people from drowning in his life oh my gosh was he a great swimmer or that's just random that's just one more random thing about him like he, he kind of sought these things out. Like if someone was in trouble, he was going to do something. Um, I think he was, he clearly was a very good swimmer, but yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a nice little nod to, to tripod too. Tripod month is about a month in the past now. So it's only like 11 months away, I guess is another <laughs> way to look at it, but <clears throat> this won't be just podcasts for recommending my recommendation for you, uh, is check out D and D we've been playing D and D now as Jason as our group's dungeon master for, seven eight months i don't know a while i think august we started so whatever that is wow and it was a challenge the first couple months i think because we played once a month and so every time we played it was like hey what am i again what's my character what is what's hp again i don't understand what's happening then we went to once a week and we've been doing once a week for about six months now and it's been just really fun yeah like really rewarding um just like kind of a fun group activity more uh, more communal than just getting together with friends and watching a movie as far as like relatable, relational, um, but also just kind of just as gratifying as as any just sit down cup of coffee with a friend. Um, yeah, because we always catch up before when we're waiting for people or hang out after if we want to catch up. Um, we do it on via Skype or Google Hangout. Um, yeah, so if you can, I guess if you're looking for a group, feel free to email us and we'll, we'll figure out some resources for you. But if you can, if you know anyone that's ever played Dungeons and Dragons, anyone that um, you don't hate uh, or doesn't annoy you, uh, maybe ask them what it's all about. Because that's, yeah, you probably won't regret it. As long as it's people you think you get along with, you'd probably enjoy playing D&D with them. Yeah, go to go buy the starter set. I'm pretty sure they have it at yeah. every Barnes & Noble uh, and uh, half the Spencer Amazon. Gifts, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, so exactly. yeah, go buy one. Hey, um, Ben, what's your, just to, to get people's appetite whetted for this, uh, what was your favorite, what's just a moment you really enjoyed from the game so far? Something that sure. another player did or, uh, it's going to be about me. Um, sure. Yeah. <laughs> so Something my, my character did. is Hans. Oh, sir. Hans Olo, uh, who is, he's kind of a one man kind of, uh, you know, uh, like a pirate almost, uh, but Would not a, a scoundrel. I would call him a scoundrel at times, but of, of noble birth quickly. Anyway, at one point, Jason said we could buy horses. I was like, Oh, a noble steed. I will buy a horse. Does the horse have to be of this earth? And he's like, no, he doesn't really need it. That's a dumb question. I was like, Oh, can the horse be transparent? And I think you charged me like 30 more gold or whatever. You're like, yeah, sure. Yeah, skin's absolutely. transparent. I, I was like, ah, his name will be see through PO. <laughs> that was brilliant. And I laughed alone. Oh, that was brilliant. And I bought that horse. Yeah. And every once in a while, we remember you're you're actually right. <laughs> it's been like three months since I remembered C-3PO was there. But anyway, uh, yeah, anything else for this episode? I think that's it. Awesome. Soon, uh, we're hoping to get an interview with uh, with some game creators we have kind of in the works. We keep teasing that, so we actually have to interview someone soon, but I promise yeah. we will. Uh, but yeah, you can find us on menoflowmoralfiber.com. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram. Or you can email us at monthpod at gmail.com. 
Uh, and FOMF, again, is live. FOMF.com, F-O-L-M-F, Friends of Low Moral Fiber. Uh, .com uh, is now live. Go there and, and feel free to post there or read about kind of our uh, the periphery of month and kind of what us and our listeners enjoy outside of LucasArts games. And yeah, thanks again for, for listening, for joining us. It has been our pleasure. As always, I have been Ben. I will be Jason. And I'm still a mighty pirate. And if this were a Sierra online graphic adventure, I'd be dead now. It's true. You'll be a shirt now. Yeah, it will. All right, see you guys. Later. Thank you.